In 2021, my wife and I ran our first outreach retreat in Cancun, Mexico. We decided to focus on the topic of prayer. Why prayer? Because prayer is the center of our community lives. Our communities are centered around shoals. Many young people in their 20s, unfortunately, don't connect to prayer. They don't know what they're doing, not their age, don't feel they fit in. And so they have no connection to our communities and they unfortunately don't connect Jewishly at all and we are losing them by the millions. At the first session, when we arrived in Cancun, I asked everyone why they don't relate to prayer. They pummeled me with things that bother them. Hebrew, it's a foreign language, have no idea what I'm doing, too dry, too fast, can't think. One particularly spiritual-minded girl, though, asked such a brilliant question that I spent many a morning coffee contemplating and trying to formulate an answer for. She asked, why are we davening from the book? Shouldn't it come from here, she said, pointing to her heart. We then all started building even further on our question together. We said that tefillah is all about building a relationship with the Almighty. Imagine trying to build a relationship with your spouse, right? You buy them a Hallmark card. She opens it up and blank. It's empty. All it has is the writing from the Hallmark guy. She'll say, okay, cute. It's nice that you spent the $7 but it doesn't stir up emotional connection. I want your words of connection, affirmation, affection. When we daven from a sitter, we are reading off of a teleprompter to Hashem. It's just a Hallmark card. David HaMelech and the Anshi Knesset Agadola, they were the ones who wrote those words that you're davening to Hashem. How are we meant to be developing a personal connection with Hashem by reading out a script to Hashem? In this episode, I want to explore scripted versus unscripted prayer, how Yaakov teaches us about the power of each mode of prayer and how we can use the combination of both together to achieve the deepest levels of expression to Hashem. At the end of this episode, I want to dispel a tefillah myth that I've been living with my whole life, which I feel that you might very well be living with as well. So stay tuned until the end. Dust on my face shows where I've been Heavy work ain't ever clean Time wisely spent with paper and a pen, oh no one else but me. Yaakov is at the end of his life, and whilst giving various blessings to each of his children, he decides to give Yosef an extra portion of land. And he says, I'm giving you an extra portion. The portion of Shrem I'm giving to you, Yosef, more than your brothers. It's the piece of land that I took from the Emori with my sword and with my bow. Now, I'm a very visual thinker. So when I read this Pasuk, I imagine Yaakov Avinu out of the scene of Lord of the Rings with a long bow and scimitar, white beard flowing in the wind. Tonight, we ride to Gondol. And the question is that Yaakov never picked up a sword in his life. Yes, he wrestled with an angel. He prepares for war against Esav. 
but we never find in the Pesukim that he actually fights a war. Shimon and Levi were the ones who fought against Shem to save Dina, and Yaakov even admonishes them for it. So what's with this sword and bow that Yaakov is talking about? He took the land of Shem with the sword and bow. We never find such precedent anywhere in the Chumash. So we have to look to the left at Onkelis, one of the earliest commentaries on the Chumash, and he translates the word Kerev and Keshes, not as sword and bow, but into two Aramaic words. And he says that these two words, sword and bow, Kerev and Keshes, really mean Siloson uvaoson. What is Siloson uvaoson? This is referring to the two distinct different types of prayer. Tzilosan is structured, formal prayer, the tefillos that Chazal set for us to say shachris mincha marev, and ba'osan is the unstructured, it's the spontaneous, it's the personal prayer that comes from a person's heart and is meant to be his own expression to Hashem. Where else do we see these two words? In Kaddish. We say tiskabal tzilosan uva'osan, it means both the structured prayers that we're saying in davening, and our personal prayers, Hashem should look at them and accept them both. So now it makes sense because yes, Yaakov never fought against Shem with a sword and bow, but he did pray to defeat Shem and to save his daughter using different forms of prayer. For Yaakov, his tefillos were his main weapon. And therefore, when Yaakov says that he took Shem with his sword and his bow, what he really means is that he took Shem with his structured, formal prayer and his unstructured, spontaneous, personal prayer. So now the main question is, how does Onkelos get to this level of creativity where he gets from the word sword and bow into structured and unstructured prayer? What do the two have to do with each other? How does a sword mean structured, scripted prayer? And how does bow mean spontaneous, personal prayer? Where is Unculus conjuring this all up from? So let's look at the qualities of the sword versus the qualities of a bow and arrow. A sword is very sharp. It can cut right through its opponent, but it has one main limitation, that it doesn't reach long distances. It always needs to be attached to the hand of the user in order to be effective. The bow, on the other hand, isn't very sharp. How does it cut through its opponent, though? It needs power. It builds velocity and moves so fast that it can pierce right into its opponent. According to the power that you put into the arrow, that's how far it's going to propel forward and how effective it's going to be at cutting into its opponent. Now we understand why Unculus compares the sword to the scripted prayer that we say from the sitter and why he compares the bow to unscripted personal prayer from a person's heart. The Rabbanan's words, the scripted prayer, the tefillos that we have from inside of the Siddur, their words have intrinsic value. The words in the Siddur are written prophetically by the last of the Nevi'im, weaving together words from the king of the most heartful, soulful prayer, David HaMelech himself. The men of the Great Assembly set up a structured prayer that traverses from the world of physical nature, singing Hashem's praise, up to the angels accepting Hashem, and finally accepting Hashem ourselves in the Shema. In the Amidah, we recognize Hashem is the source for every one of our needs. 
Chazal gave us a masterpiece that's as sharp and effective as a sword. But there's one caveat, one quality that's missing with all of this. It can't travel very far. Yes, the words are sharp and effective, but they don't have intrinsically the intentionality and personal character that makes tefillah so powerful. That's where the bow comes in. The bow is the tool that may not be very sharp, but it has power on its side. The Kutzker says that when you shoot a bow, the closer you pull it to your heart, the further and more powerfully it will propel forward. The same goes with our personal unscripted philos. They may not be prophetically inspired or well-constructed or in line with the Kabbalistic realms or spoken in Lush and Akodesh, but there's one thing it does have that scripted prayer does not. It comes from the heart and it's powerful. It has the power to penetrate right into the heart and create the most deep-felt bond and feeling of closeness between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now we understand why Unculus translates the word cherev and keshes, sword and bow, into structured and unstructured prayer. Tzolosan uva osan, the reason Unculus draws the parallel is because the structured prayer that Chazal gave us from the Siddur is sharp and effective. It's structured perfectly well, but it lacks the power of personal connection, while the unstructured, spontaneous prayer that we come up with our own words, using our own language, from our own hearts, yes, it lacks the sharpness, but it has the power to create such a deep, powerful bond with Hashem. I want to digress for a moment just to explore the background of structured versus unstructured prayer. Until the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash, the second temple era, about 400 BCE, it used to be that people would not pray out of a sitter. People knew how to pray on their own, how to structure on their own. People made their own gorgeous prayer compositions using the most effective means of prayer. The Rambam in Hilchas Tefillah chapter 1 says that there was a time when Jews had the great ability to express themselves. They would formulate their own tefillahs to Hashem, each person according to their ability. And that's how tefillah worked in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu until the times of Ezra HaSofer. People prayed at the time when they were inspired out of their own words. And it was a heartfelt, deep felt connection and relationship that they formed with Hashem. Now, with the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash, the first temple, we unfortunately lost divine prophecy. Now nobody can express themselves in the true beauty of Lashon HaKodesh. People didn't have the mastery that they needed to structure the tefillos properly. Ezra and the Anshei Knesset Sagadola, the men of the Great Assembly, were the last of the Mohicans with prophecy who saw this art of being able to daven to Hashem from your own words in such a beautiful and well-structured way. They saw it all being lost. So they wrote set prayer where now everyone can express themselves in the same prophetic inspiration, the same beautiful, poetic expression. This is how the Rambam describes it. He says, Once the Jewish people were sent into exile after the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash, the Jewish people 
got exiled to uh, places in Greece, Persia, everywhere else in the world. That now the children of those people in exile, they no longer knew how to speak Lashon HaKodesh. They couldn't express themselves in Lashon HaKodesh properly using the right phraseology. Because of this, when one of them would daven, they would start shortening down their prayers. They wouldn't be able to express themselves properly. They wouldn't be able to say it in Lashon HaKodesh. They would get mixed up with all different kinds of languages. And they would lose confidence in the tefillah that they were davening. When Ezra and his basin saw this, so then they established the Amidah, the Shmona Esrei, the 18 brachos ala Seder, so that everybody can be eloquent and properly express themselves. And they would learn it. And so that every single Joe can now speak with the same beautiful, elegant, complete tefillah, just like the people back then who were able to daven so eloquently to Hashem. And because of this, they established all of the brachos and all of the tefillos so that they would be at the lips of every Jewish person in Klal Yisrael so that every single bracha can be put out and spoken so eloquently. So why did the rabbis set up a structured prayer? The first reason was that people were losing the ability to compose their own effective means of prayer. They lost the prophetic inspiration to express themselves. They also lost the ability to speak Lashon HaKodesh. And they also put into the prayer the most effective structure, praise, then ask, then praise. And on top of that, they foresaw the decline of the Jewish people and recognized that they had to create a structure that could maintain a high standard of prayer for all future generations. On top of that, there are other benefits as well. If there was no structured prayer, then we wouldn't be able to find time. Imagine in today's busy world where 20 notifications are vying for your attention as soon as you wake up in the morning. How many people would maintain a structured ritual of speaking to Hashem? I remember I decided on Yom Kippur two minutes in the morning to just talk to Hashem in my own words. You know how long that lasted? Two months. We need structured rituals to hold on to in order to keep us regimented in this busy world. Another benefit on top of that is that we can pray with anyone around the world and we can pray together because it's structured. It allows us to all follow the same text together. I can walk into a shul in Nairobi, Kenya, and I know what they're saying and what to respond. That's just another one of the benefits of having a standard text and structure. But here's the thing. The structured prayer was never meant to replace personal prayer. They need to go hand in hand. The structured prayer is meant to bring out the personal prayer more effectively, not to replace it. The Shla Kodosh writes that with everything that a person does in this world, they should daven to Hashem. And only then should they act and trust that Hashem will help. 
The Shala is saying that with every single thing that we do, we're meant to be giving a little tefillah, a personal request, bakasha, connection point to Hashem. When you're playing basketball and shooting a shot, you need two things. One is form and the other is power. I once played basketball in a league in high school. The coach set up this whole play for me, a pick, a pass. I got the ball five feet behind the three-point line. I remember shooting. It is perfectly aimed. The money signs are already lighting up in my eyes, and my fist is tightened into the cha-ching position. And then, air ball. The coach nearly cried. What happened? You had the perfect structure. It was so perfectly aimed. Yes, but there was not enough power for it to reach its goal. That's why we need personal, spontaneous connection in tefillah. The rabbis gave us perfect form for tefillah where everything can touch Hashem in exactly the right way, but that alone won't go very far. We need to infuse the tefillah with a personal yearning for connection, a personal message, and interaction that comes from our heart. Only then does the tefillah have the power it needs to properly be effective. This is my message to you. Now I want to share with you the misunderstanding that I've lived with my whole life. My whole life, I thought you can't actually say your own prayers in Davani. You can only think them in your head. Saying them would be changing the script of prayer. It would be considered changing from the way that Chazal coined the words and therefore you weren't actually allowed to say your own personal prayers. You're only allowed to think them in your head. A few years ago, when I was going through Sepharim, like Sha'arim Bitfila by Rab Shimshin Pinkus and Mitzvah Valev by Rav Elimelech Bar Shaul, it dawned upon me and occurred to me that I was doing it completely wrong the whole time. My personal prayers that I add personally into the tefillah aren't supposed to be thought in my head. They're actually meant to be said and whispered out just like the rest of Davide. What that means is that your personal prayers belong inside the sitter. They're meant to become a part of the text that you're saying and speaking out to Hashem. You're meant to be speaking them out just like the rest of your tefillahs. What that means is that when I'm saying the bracha of Atachonin in the Amidah, and before I finish the bracha of Chonin Adas, I meant to actually add in Hashem. I need my brain to be focused today on your Torah. I'm sick of getting distracted. Hashem, help my mind focus on what's really important and overcome my physical instincts. Give me the mental clarity to focus on my mission and enliven every element of my life. And then to finish off, You are meant to be adding your own personal prayer as a part of the script of tefillah. This, my friends, is what makes tefillah truly powerful. Those of you music lovers out there listening right now know that there is nothing more powerful than songs that combine the two. 
the ones that marry the words of David HaMelech, the words that we say in tefillah together with their own message in Hebrew or English, always hit you the hardest. Think Ishai Rebo or Waterbury Nigunim. They'll say the words of tefillah out in Hebrew, the way that Chazal structured them, and then they'll speak from their own words in Hebrew or English, and that's what gives the song so much regesh, so much feeling, so much personal stirring and connection with Hashem. Let's take tefillah to the next level. Read the Hallmark card, but make sure to add in your own love letters to Hashem. Take your davening to the level of tzolosan uva osan. Use the form that Chazal set for you, but then set aside space to add the power of your own heart. Inch closer daily to Hashem. Envelop yourself deeper and deeper into the Almighty. Experience your natural state of connection with the Creator. Experience Shabbos. My letter to God, it's